Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday out there. Uh, what's what is with two? What's notorious for Tuesdays? Taco Tuesdays. Ta- mm. Taco Tuesdays. Happy Taco Tuesdays out there, everybody. Uh, you know who it is. We're back. It's Cover Three Sports with Dave, Matt, and Nick. We got a great show for you guys tonight. Before we get into that, if you can please go and give us a five star rating, uh, give us a like, give us a follow on spotify and the apple podcast and uh, if you guys got any questions you got anything you want to say you just want to get your voice out there and be heard uh send us an email at uh, cover three sports at gmail.com all one word and the letter three is spelled out so cover three sports um but yeah so tonight we got a great show for you guys we are going to dive into what we call pre-agency where you got to get those tags in, those transition tags in, and you got to dump those players that you just you don't think are worth it anymore. They're getting a little getting a little paid too high. Uh, we're also going to dip into the combine. We're going to give you guys an outlook of who who we liked, who we didn't, who we think are risers, fallers, uh, and what our overall view of the um, the combine and this next uh, bunch of players coming in the NFL. And uh, then we're going to end up wrapping it up with quick takes and uh, give you guys a little something uh, that has been on our mind this past week. So, uh, guys, take it away. Well, it's good to be back. Um, A lot of stuff happened over the last, what, 24, 48 hours? Yeah. It's interesting. Before we started recording, David and I kind of got in a little back and forth trying to decide what it is. It's not officially free agency, so... Uh, between three of us, we termed that pre-agency. Pre-agency. Nothing's official, but uh, we're talking. We're talking. That's right. What's a good um, uh, analogy for this pre-agency? So, like, uh, I don't know. Are you, like, you're, you're texting back and forth, but you haven't actually gone out on a date yet? Does that sound about right? Yeah, we're texting. Because you can't even go out to dinner. It's, like, not allowed. So. The kids say it. They're, uh, they're talking. We're talking. Yeah, they're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Jets are trying to talk to my boy Aaron Rodgers, Kay. They're sending text messages. They're sending sending those eggplant emojis. I know what's going I don't, on. I don't know what you're saying there, Dave. They're, uh, it, they're dropping it, in their D- DMs right now. Dropping it it seems like uh, Aaron Rodgers is dropping into the Jets' DMs right now. He came <laughs> out of his cave of darkness, utter darkness, or how, whatever, <laughs> what he's doing now. And uh, I'm pretty sure his first call was, um, hey, what's up? How you doing? Hey, you know, sometimes the, the, the snake comes out of the grass and offers you an apple to bite. You know what I'm saying? So all I'm saying is the big apple is <laughs> trying to offer my boy something. Wait, I'm not so are, are, you saying, are you saying that Aaron Rodgers is the snake and he's offering the apple to the no, Jets? No, I'm saying... I'm saying the GM of the Jets is. Oh, oh no, man, I, I apologize for that. What he's saying, because we're into analogies today, apparently, saying the Big Apple is the tree of life, like life and knowledge, right? And so they want Aaron Rodgers wants the apple. He wants to have that. No, he he just he's he's intrigued. The forbidden fruit. He's got to have it. He's intrigued. Okay, that's all I'm saying. But you know, it's not official. <laughs> Nothing's official. Nothing's official. We've talked about this already. It, it tastes like, good, David. He's got to have a bite. Just has to. Like. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I, I, I've come to a point where I just want the bandit to be torn off. I just want him to make a decision so I can move on with my life just and move do on it. to the next era. 
Just do it. David's ready for Jordan Love era. Let's go. I guess. Yeah. That's what it has to be. That's what it has to be. Let's right, ride. Well, maybe we're going to trade up for like for CJ Stroud. Who knows? Jordan, <laughs> no. That's right. All right. Well, I guess to kick it off here, you know, nobody else is going <laughs> to take the point here, so I'm going to do it myself. Uh, Seahawks <laughs> have reportedly oh, boy. agreed to a contract extension or with uh, with Geno Smith. A uh, three-year deal, $105 million. $40 million Ooh. guaranteed. And uh, it's reported to be supposed to be $25 million a year base salary um, with $30 millions, uh No, excuse me. In his first year, it's $28 million with $30 million in incentives. $30 million in incentives. All right. Uh, pretty so- unique, pretty insane deal. What are you guys saying? When this first came out, I saw the number, what was it? And it must have been like with the incentives, he could earn up to fifty-two million in the first year. Yeah. I was pissed. I was like, what are we doing for a guy I mean, that's thirty-two and he's had one good season? You know, I like Gino. I like what he did. I think he's a good fit. But I was I was pissed that we spent fifty-two million on him for next year when you could have tagged him for thirty-two million. But you know, listening to what you just talked about, it's actually it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. He, he, in it's a way actually that... potentially more with fifty eight million in that right. first year, which I and... think he will come pretty close to because the Seahawks offense is. I'm not going to say they're not going to get better, but you have Lockett as getting close to you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth. You have uh, DK Metcalf <laughs> that long uh, in the is, tooth. Long in the man. Uh, you get DK Metcalf that's got another year under his belt of knowing how the process of the NFL works, how working out, taking care of your body, what all it takes to be able to be that elite athlete in the NFL. And uh, and now you got another year with a running back in Walker, uh, being able to establish himself. And so uh, an offensive line that's going to get better. So I think that the offense is going to take a, a little bit more of a step forward this coming year. And I, I think he gets close to that, that 50, 58 million. Um, now here's the, I don't mind paying him 58 million. If he earns with the incentives, I love it. Um, Cause that means we're doing well. Right. Um, like I said, yeah. my initial reaction was, Oh, that's way too much. But as it starts to break down, we start to understand the pieces to it. You know, actually it's, it sounds better than I thought it was. Right. But here's the thing. So I was actually expecting a little bit different of a deal. I remember we've talked quite a bit off the air about the, um, I was seeing more of a 32 uh, to 30, um, at least a 32 had to be the baseline and anywhere from 32 to 37 a year. But I was seeing a four-year deal. Now they got one heck of a, a discount of being able to fit the money how they want, which they're basically taking it all up front, which tells me that a, uh, there's a lot to do and they need to, uh, to sign those young guys and be able to draft. Um, the other thing it tells me is the fact that the, if they're under the pressure they're they have pressure on them now because this, if he gets to this the year three, and usually when you sign these draft picks, you never really get the full picture until three years after they're signing. Now, last year was that was year one. So you got yeah. two more years of that. And you have to hit on this draft. It is vital yeah. for the Seahawks to hit on this draft if they want to be able to be in that same category as the Chiefs, as the Eagles, 
as um, who else? Whoever else really, is, you know, really the Eagles in our yeah. in the NFC. It's just the Eagles. And so I think the pressure on is here because that next contract, if he able is play well, it's not going to be this discount. He's this is a team deal that he gave them where everybody wins. He gets potentially fifty eight million up front, forty million dollars guaranteed, and the Seahawks in the last two years get to basically utilize that money the way they want to. So yeah. Congratulations it, to the Seahawks on that one. And if it falls apart next year and he's not what we thought he was. Yeah, and you can cut we'll bait. Take, we'll, we'll take it for a year. We'll cut it. We're good to go. So, yeah, no. The more the details come out, the more I start, I'm starting to like this thing a little better than I thought. Um, yesterday when I heard that, I hated it. Or two days ago, whatever day that was. I mean, we talked in the text message. I was like, what the freak is going on? <laughs> yeah. But, no, no, I, I, can, I can roll with that. I'm all right. I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that kind of throws us to the next deal of the day. Um, you got uh, Giants quarterback, $160 million. Yeah. Wait, what do you think? Jones talked about great year. Man. <laughs> uh, never hurts to go into your final year and have a career year, you know? Yeah, never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> worked out for him and he's young enough you know yeah you know and he's one though that i i feel really bad because he first comes into the league and uh, obj was on the team right yeah I so. the, yeah and so he traded away and there's really nothing and the giants offense has really had nothing for a few years now uh <laughs> And, you know, even in, the, in their trading of OBJ and their signing of draft picks, they've kind of really just built up the defense. And they have a very young, very fast defense. But one, one of the things that they do lack is their um, offensive um, firepower. And so coming into this draft and coming into this offseason with, with Saquon Barkley, uh, who got tagged himself, it's yeah. – uh, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing. I did not uh, – I remember when I marked down – I marked both contracts, and um, I marked Geno Smith at $120 million, and I marked um, Jones at $140 million. And yeah. uh, I was a little bit – I mean, I know it's only $20 million difference, but that's a lot. That's a lot for a team to take on. Yeah. And uh, I was a little shocked. For a guy that, that people are still – question about you know there's still a little question about him even though he had a good year going into this uh into this offseason one of the things with daniel jones that you know and i actually saw them taking a quarterback because i did not see them performing the way that they did during the season so mad respect for them <laughs> of uh yeah. of fighting the way that they did but now they're in that situation is, well what do you do with daniel jones who like you said had a career year i mean the, the guy they finally built an offense that could make him um, a a good. I, I don't want to call him a game manager, but they they fit the offense to more of his strengths. Thank goodness they had Saquon Barkley back, who absolutely looked like a shell of himself the previous year. Yeah. But this, but this, yeah. So then they have to make this thing 160 million. Uh, 35 million of additional incentives they cap on it. It's 82 million over the first two years, 
um, of the deal. And, uh, and then they ended up doing a, a tag in Saquon Barkley. And I tell you what, it makes you think um, with 82 million over the first two years, you know, now Dan, uh, Daniel Jones is now the, I think the ninth or the 10th quarterback in the NFL to, to reach over $40 million a year. But the big wow. question is, is what now are they going to do with Barkley and his contract? Yeah, they had to get one of these done, right? Coming out of the season, you have to you have to make a deal with one quick, so you could use the tag on the other one. It wasn't necessarily quick, but I think that's partially yeah. why he got paid so much. Is I think they were willing to give him a little extra money to get it done, so they could tag Barkley and keep him. But great deal, I think for the for the Giants. Question is, how good is Jones long term? Um, but the thing that helps him, you know, he's young. So being young, being in a good system that fits him, having Barkley coming back next year at least, I mean, that's all That's all going to work out better than if you lose both those guys or one of those guys, you know. Yeah. Well, here, here comes the uh, – uh, because where do the, where do the Giants fit in the, um, this year's draft? What number are they? You guys – what number, what, number pick, what, what number pick are they? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. They're at... They are... They're 25. 25. 25. That's, that's a little low. Uh, the reason why I was saying is because Texas running back coming out of this year's draft is supposed to be pretty explosive. And potentially Robinson. going to be a fifteen to twenty, top twenty pick. And is it? So, how do you say his first name? Is it Bijan? Bijan or Bijan? Yeah, Bijan. he's and, good. Um, you know, and so you're seeing a lot of times, you know, that teams are drafting that next type of bell cow or complementary back in yeah. the NFL. Uh, the Giants have been kind of one of the last breeds to have an all exclusive. <laughs> type of running back um you know the traditional you don't see a lot of that yeah you don't see a lot of it you see a lot of teams going to that well i got my pass catcher and i got my you know down. Uh, you know first down second down type back and and so it's going to be interesting to see where they go from there but um yeah anything you guys want to add on those two quarterback deals no, I, I'm not shocked. I mean, I'm a, maybe I take that back. I'm a little shocked at how high Daniel Jones ended up, but he's young, so that's always going to help, right? You have more value, more upside. Um, but, you know, I, I think he had a good enough year. The Giants had a good enough year. If you can keep both those pieces together, they should be able to improve a little bit, and they've got to feel good about where they are, so. Well, no I, think it, I, I think it's one of those things that where everyone wins on both sides of it, just because, I mean, Saquon's deal was, a, I mean, his year was definitely a prove-it year, absolutely, and he destroyed. Um, I know yeah. out of his fans, he was glorious. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that being said, I, I just think that that for both guys, for Daniel Jones and Geno Smith, I think they both landed, it, like, as, as, as far as, like, the, like, you know, big money, like the top 10 quarterbacks, uh, or top ten, top fifteen paid quarterbacks in the league. They're they're in the middle of the pack. Like what? Actually, not even the middle. They're more toward like the top, like more like in that area kind of deal. So it's just 
it's not it's not that bad like you know it's it's kind of a they're both deals are like okay that's that's fine but they're not, are they going to be a deal like um like a Mahomes type deal i mean at least you know from that that type of like you know prestige and like you know what he actually brings to the table no but at, at this point in time i mean if you have the guy you got to pay the guy and even G- right. gino had all the chips i mean honestly i'm making the playoffs mind you get back into the playoffs but still you made it i mean made the playoffs um <laughs> it's true though i'm just saying uh yeah. but uh but, i'm like uh, the back to- packers you know you know it's funny uh so on- well, hold up real quick i mean um pa- packers playoffs oh my Skip it. Neutral, reverse back it on up back yeah. it on up folks <laughs> beep, beep, they were distracted back it up close yeah we were that's what i will ayahuasca does to you man it just causes hallucinations but anyway <laughs> but, uh but no like i i think that um oh i, I lost my train of thought for something there thanks being coming up the package like that anyway but no what it comes down to i think is uh is that Gino, I mean, with the year that he had, the franchise records that he broke, I mean, I know it was just one yeah. year, but, but ultimately it's like either you pay him something or you risk tagging him and he's like, and then he turns into that guy that's like, well, no, I, I want to make, make, I want to make, uh, this is my chance to actually right. make some money right now, which this is. I mean, and not saying that <laughs> Gino can't play for the next five to seven years, but right. I mean, ultimately this was his big chance. So I think I how, think like you, you said it's how much contract last year. Huh? Gino, do you know how much Gino made on his contract last year? I thought this was interesting. No. Three point like five million. million or something. Yeah. Three point five. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the big thing going into that deal. You are is, paying back taxes essentially a little bit. <laughs> it favors the, the Seahawks more to not tag him. Because you're one of the things that the Seahawks, you know, which a lot of people may forget, is that they have been going in the wrong direction since 2015, of where our offensive line has gotten worse, yeah. defensive line, the defense, last few years, everything yeah. has just been going yeah. in the wrong direction. But now you make this move and you trade Russell Wilson and you get all these picks and you hit. Not only on the picks that you trade, you get to be a trade, but you hit on your own picks and getting offensive line, you get a running back, and now you have these two supreme weapons in Medcalf and Lockett. Uh, so now the question is: is are you going to tag him and risk him being great again? And then what does that deal look like when you have to tag him that second time? You know, and if he does True. well again, well then what are you going to do? Because all the fans are going to be screaming if he has two or three years of, of playing great football and uh, then it goes to sign him and then you're going to have to pay him $45, $50 million a year. So I, I am shocked by this deal of how it was so beneficial to each side. You got Geno yeah. Smith that gets a good portion of guaranteed. He gets now generational wealth. And he gets incentives galore. I have heard of nothing but stories about him and his confidence in himself. Uh, So it favors him in getting his money kind of up front any way he can get it. And it favors the Seahawks in building 
this uh, this next type of championship team with having money to throw a defense because Pete Carroll he likes to spend his money on defense, and so well, it's it's going to be an interesting few years. Hopefully, this means we've secured the idea that we're going to invest our early drafts on D line. Um, did you guys hear? Yeah. Um, we're trying to come back. That's uh, that yeah. Huge. I've. Um... Actually, yeah, like I've that. heard a couple players, and Wagner was one. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be cool to bring him back. Uh, it, it's it's both one of those things that's kind of like sad because we're so depleted, and our linebacker core is not very good. Um, yeah. As well as Brooks tearing his ACL, and he's he's right. probably not going to start the season. No, so he's... you kind of need somebody. And having that veteran veteran leadership does play into that. He'll. He definitely won't play the way he he went out and playing every snap. No, uh, he'll be a rotational player if he comes. But uh, it would but be you know, a this, good reunion. I will say this: if we can invest in the D line and get some dudes up, what we are not an amazing linebacker core, but a solid linebacker core, and then you have the DBs yeah. kind of coming into their own. I mean, they could jump a lot like our. This year, right? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm gonna put one. I'm gonna put one in, in the chamber. I'm gonna fire it out to you real fast, and then we'll jump on to another team. Okay. Uh, the highest pick that the Seahawks have in the draft. You taking a quarterback? I guess you know what we'll do. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that out, and we're gonna revisit that when we talk about the combine. So we'll do that here <laughs> in the next segment. Fair enough. All fair right. enough. Anybody see what other uh, around the league that was, that happened? I mean, you got Derek, uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr. What about Lamar Jackson? Did you guys see his tag thing? The non yeah. the non exclusive tag. See, I think the uh, see the Browns that. are the Browns yeah. for a reason. The Browns <laughs> do brown things, and it is it is such a glaring thing that is like infectious to the rest of the league. And giving him a, um, a, a, a guaranteed contract that um, – but it's not, it's not necessarily – it's guaranteed, but it's guaranteed towards the, the, um, the team. And the reason why I say that is did you know that they can reconstruct re, um, re, um, or re – what's that word? Yeah, they can restructure his – without his say. That's in the deal. Really? I was listening to that on ESPN radio. I had no idea of that. But uh, but anyways, because of that deal, you have someone like L Lamar Jackson who has been kind of like the everything, the runner, somewhat the thrower. I'm not a huge fan of him throwing the ball. Um, right. He but, doesn't have uh, a ton of weapons. Yeah. Yeah, he's been their, their entire weapons because they don't necessarily – they're kind of like a, a fix-a-flat. <laughs> when you just kind of like get you got speed <laughs> all right cool you can't catch the ball that's okay but you got speed man you know we, we can check that box you know with one player yeah uh, and so, it's interesting that non-exclusive tag so they don't have to pay him as much compared to the projected 40 million the exclusive tag um, also if the team offers this is we're trying to kind of talking about this. 
another guy. But so the way it works is another team can offer him a contract, and the Raiders have what is it five? Gets to take the other, deal, but the team has to give them two first round picks. So, yeah, like that's a steep price. I mean, I know there's teams out there that'll pay it, but round picks and you've got to pay him. He wants guaranteed money. Interesting. Be interesting to see how that plays out. One of the the things that's I I find interesting of that is what if you're a you're kind of a bottom feeder team. Um, I, I'm sorry, I said that uh, the wrong way. Um, what if you're a team like the Jets, where you have your quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You having kind of middle of the pack first round picks. I mean, does does that factor into it? What if they decide to sign him for a, a crazy um, a deal to go with that defense? Like that's it, talk. That's talk an about interesting thing. Okay. You want to go if you're going after Lamar, you're also going after Aaron Rodgers. Those are not the same kind of quarterback. <laughs> yeah, um, that would be interesting. Not. I don't think they're going to go after Lamar, but Aaron, they're going after. We've got talks of that. They went down to California and met with him. She guys know that. I'm gonna okay, yeah, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say this right now, and I'm gonna get a lot of hate. And those out there listening, if you want to throw in some hate, baby, I'm cool with it, but. I am, as my look at contracts, and I look at age, and uh, I, you know, I got an ageism thing. I got a heightism. I got isms, man. And I'm telling you right now, if I'm negotiating with Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, even though I don't necessarily believe in Lamar Jackson in his ability to reach Aaron Rodgers' status, I'm not trading for Aaron Rodgers. Really, I'm not trading for a guy that. Doesn't does the Brett Favre thing where he doesn't want to go to camp? He's not going to really um, whoa, work whoa, whoa, out. Whoa, that, whoa, whoa! What, I get Aaron, you on that. Aaron is not that guy. What don't are you paint, talking don't about? Paint, don't paint him as that guy. He is that uh, guy. He, no, he's not. Himself no, he's is not. that guy. He he in no way is that guy. He is absolutely he, he is, that guy this uh, year. No, he's not. He is o- open to talking to the team about his different decisions, kind of deal. He hasn't um, held out on anything. No, no, no. I'm not talking about holding out. I'm talking about the fact that he does. He wants to preserve his body for as long as possible. And so because of that, he's not going to play in, in the thing. He's not going to do all of these these uh, non-mandatory camps or, or anything like that. He's he going to be chill. He says, I'm going to roll in at the last possible moment because oh, I'm good enough to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be in shape or effective or anything like that. But what I'm saying is is because he is going to have to go into the season to jail with the team and because of his age and his – like Aaron Rodgers is that stereotypical – it's not even stereotypical because it's kind of a new braid that you see in the NFL of where like I don't need to play anymore. Like I'm cool to walk away from the game, and he has that. He and he has put out there that like I could retire, or I could not. You know, he's like he's content either way. Whereas like if you get Lamar Jackson, you're giving up those first those two first round picks. It's like, you know, would you would you go that for a guy that's trying to prove his name and has ability, or would you do that for Aaron Rodgers? And I, I'm and I went back and forth. 
I went back I will and say forth because Aaron Rodgers is way better than Lamar Jackson. But if I have to give up the draft capital, it's like I don't want to do it. I just don't. I will say this, Nick. Um, Aaron Rodgers is obviously much older. You're not going to get as much time out of him. But I think the clock on Lamar is much shorter than on a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So you can talk about ageism, but you're also talking about Lamar, who's missed the last two seasons, the end of the season the last two years with injuries. Right, he's missed four games each last two seasons. Yeah, and he's a running quarterback. That's his game. So how much life does he actually have left, you know? That's a good you point. Don't really know. Yeah, that that's a conundrum, man. Like I just kept going yeah. back and forth, and even the fact that I was just kind of like, I'm really deciding between Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. It just seemed weird that I was like, like these two guys are in the same room. Like I'm putting these guys in the same room. It just felt weird. I was in a weird place. Weird. All right. It is weird. <laughs> it's very different directions for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the the. If you will. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Um, baby. We're in the midst of cutting and shedding cap. Nick kind of outlined this in past podcasts of how bad is the situation they're in. I got 49 million more to go. 49 million more to go, baby. Gosh, if you can't sit thing. That's crazy. They enter the offseason 55 million over the cap. 35 million of it going to retired quarterback Tom Brady. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm telling you, I I talked briefly about this in the the past podcast. There's no getting out of this. They are screwed. <laughs> that that you're going to see one of the most epic um, meltdowns, re- rebuilding and meltdowns of the Buccaneers. Yeah. And and can you? The hard part is it's kind of like the Rams did. It's where I'm going to to throw every money money and dollar and kick every can that I can. I'm going to go buy cans from the store just to kick them down the road. That's what the Rams did, and they're paying for it now. And the Bucks like doubled that up. I mean, they it's like they were I don't know competing with themselves of how much money they can they kick down the curb uh, so, down the road type of thing. So they cut their left tackle, starting left tackle. He's played for seven years as a left tackle for them. We've, we've talked about in the past how hard it is to find good starting offensive linemen in this, in this league, right? And you've got a seven-year starter at 29 years old hitting his prime, right? You're just going to shed him. They're going to save $9.9 million in cap, but also create $7.95 million in dead money. They're also yeah. releasing tight end Cameron Brait, running back Leonard Fournette. I mean, it is a fire sale there and they've got one quarterback under contract right now Kyle Trask like it's gonna be bad and so here's the thing is now you're probably gonna see like Mike Evans trade request uh yeah Shaquille Barrett trade I mean you're yeah, talking absolutely. about premier thing, uh premier options that teams that are trying to build and you know that have some cap space uh, that are looking for those key pe- explosive pieces on whether it's offense or defense, you're going to see the demise of the Buccaneers. It's just, it's bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're starting to go long in this section. Um, any others we got to talk about? We mentioned. Um, well, Derek Carr. We didn't mention Derek Carr. Right. But we didn't really talk about it. Derek Carr to the Saints. How much of a deal is that? You know, I think, I think it's an upgrade. I mean, for between Dalton and, uh, and Winston. 
it's an upgrade but the but and and this is the problem that i have with the way i look at sports specifically the nfl because i'm very business oriented in it rather than fan oriented i guess you'd say or yeah and the way i look at the saints is like what in the heck are you doing baby you gotta go you gotta burn you know you gotta cut you gotta burn the season to rebuild and to get a shot at the usc quarterback next year you know (laughs) he did say he wanted to play in florida i don't think that's the florida he meant but yeah Mm. uh you know so to me it's it's like you know but i have more of a business sense of like let's I, I I'm okay with burning, you know, a season or, or, or two or whatever to rebuild. Whereas like no fan and no, you know, there, I mean, I'm going to be roasted right now on, on the podcast of, you, you know, you just don't do that. You know, you play to win and everything, which I completely understand. Uh, it just my mentality. When I see signings like this, I'm like, you know, um, what's he going to give you? Like an eight, eight and nine season how many games we got now in the nfl it's just yeah. uh i don't see it really helping them in their coaching problems in their drafting problems um that they have been occurring over the last few years and uh yeah i, I just i thought it was an interesting move yeah what do you guys think I, I'm not shocked by it. They do need a quarterback that's better than what they've got. Um, I think Carr's better than people think he is. I don't think he's elite, but he's a, he's above average, and you can do well with above average if you build around it right. Um, yeah. But, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I do worry that – I'd say for me, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I can say, you know, they do need someone uh, for sure. But I just – I guess my, my only – my biggest worry about him – um, even though in the NFC South, I mean, gosh, what a place to go to. I mean, I, I actually saw this uh, <laughs> this graphic where it's like Derek Carr's divisional QB competition. In 2022 in the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. In 2023, these are potential QB1s. So notice I had to say that because <laughs> these are potential QB1s, not actual necessarily. Right. Sam Darnold, Kyle Trask, and Desmond Ritter. I mean, talk about <laughs> a, a step down in competition. I mean, remember, right. I remember all last season, I, I kept saying, I was like, man, I wish the pack was These are There's moments like this where I wish they were in the NFC South because holy crap. Like, what, <laughs> what an absolute garbage of division last year. It was horrible. It seems um, like every year there's one too, right? Like, the NFC West was that way for, what, one or two years not too long ago? Well, so was the NFC then, East. Remember, no one wanted to win the NFC East like two right. seasons ago, and look what happened. I mean, and it does seem to kind of go that teams. way. Like it looks like they like they're bad for a year or two, and then all of a sudden it becomes a power conference. It's weird how that works. Yeah, yeah. But no, but I think. But overall, though, I mean, I don't mind it. It's fine. I mean, I, but the only thing I worry about is I think he's leaving a better offense for you know, not as not as good weapons. I mean, in my mind. I mean, mind you, they weren't healthy really throughout the year. But between Waller, Devontae, and Renfro trading basically just for Chris Olave and a and an older injury pro Mike, uh, Michael Thomas, who probably who's a good chance might get cut as well, so they and don't the, have to pay him the roster bonus. He's like in trouble with the law, right? Well, that, yeah, and Kamara is like you know his his clock is ticking for sure. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely not the situation you want. I mean, but what else was he supposed to do? I mean, you know, it's you know you got to do. What but, you but do, here's but. The, here's could have gone thing. to the Jets. 
I Th- guess that's, that's what true. I'm saying. That's what I kind of expected. Uh, I thought it was a great line where they told him that if you sign with us, you're like guaranteed to be in the Hall of Fame. Is what was reported. They told him, and I was just like, "Oh snap!" That that's like Pat that's Riley bold. throwing the rings on the table for LeBron. Not one, not two, not three. Yeah. Which I'm telling you, I th- th- that's the reason why he said not one, not two, in my personal opinion, is because Pat Riley throwing all the rings on that table and said, without me, you're not getting any of these type of thing, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. which got him a little pumped, a little puffy in his chest, you know, type of thing. Yeah. But anyways, for sure, for sure. But here's why it confuses me on this deal. I follow the money and mo- the money tells me that the Saints got no money. <laughs> you're 25 million in the hole. You're, you have a quarterback in Jamin Swinston that if you cut him, uh, he is going to be paid. Uh, where are you at? Where are you at? Um, he's going to be paid 15 five uh, against the cap, but that, that there's other things in the contract. But if you cut him, you burn $11.2 million. Um you do save on the next year about eight million dollars on the next year's cap, uh, which is something they're probably want going to want to do. But they're looking at their contracts. There's just there's not a lot that I'm like loving as far as <laughs> building around this guy. And so it's it's just an interesting thing of why the Saints no. did it. I, I don't know, but no. I think that the thing I'll say is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the thing you can say is that division's bad, so like you only have to be average to win yeah. the division, right? Right. So, I think Derek Hart comes out smelling like a rose in this deal, and the reason why is the other team literally just was like, "Nah, man, we're gonna we're gonna sit you, you know, the rest of this year, and then not only that, we're gonna pay to dump you." And taken on the chin for that. And it was just like, and then all of a sudden he signs this deal. Like I thought yeah. he was going to sign a cheap deal with like, yeah. and he was going to have to utilize their defense and a couple explosive players. I thought it was a potentially good fit for him. Yeah. But, uh, find me QB, the Jets is where I'm going right now. Yeah. It's interesting. All right, well, let's um, let's see you guys have one more. Let's kind of roll into the combine because we're going to talk about combine stuff next, right? Yep. Yeah. So I had a thought. I'm throwing this out there. We're not prepared for it. So you can either take it or you can say no. That's fine. Um, but what do you guys think about doing a combine winner and loser or winners and losers? Things you liked, things you didn't like. You sure. guys feel good about doing that? Yeah, why not? Okay. Um. I can go first for a winner. Let's start on the positive note. Um, Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. It's Dude. not often that uh, quarterbacks are the elite athlete on the field at the combine, but that's definitely what he was. <laughs> I mean, there's a, he is a physical specimen, man. I know people use that 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 those two words a lot when, it, especially during the combine, and like when it comes to guys like you know, especially making their uh, they're having a huge impact on the combine itself, like DK Metcalf and what have you. But goodness yeah. gracious, man, like he is intense. Which I think so. I I did see see a a pretty good um 
I was watching, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere online, but these different, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, these different talking heads were talking about what they thought about, you know, about Richardson just to see, you know, you know, what kind of guy he was kind of like, like what, what the combine did for them kind of deal. And I, and I don't know, like, it's one of those things where of course you just don't know. I mean, you, yeah. uh, it's, it's difficult because he hasn't, although yes, he did great at the combine. There's no question, but right. he hasn't proven he can be the guy in college. <clears throat> so yeah. how do you know if he can be the guy against better competition in the NFL? What I think is important to remember is, you know, different uh, people have different developmental uh, yeah. uh, uh, speeds. I mean, some take more time, you know, to end uh, than others for sure. Well, um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a great example of that. He was okay in college. He wasn't like a Heisman contender, best quarterback out there kind of guy. You know, but he developed. He was solid. He developed. He was, a, he was a, the projected number one overall pick. Well, he was projected that, but I mean, his college record was not amazing. Well, he wasn't. Tim, he wasn't the Tim, uh, Tim Tebow when it comes to like his college record in that way. Sure, but no. He, between him and Alex Smith, played, I mean, they were played they were going to be the two, he was, two top picks. I he mean, played for sure. I remember watching him in college. He was he was above average in college. He was solid. He played a lot of years which is why people liked him. But um, I wouldn't say Anthony Richardson's there as a, pa- uh, as a passer, obviously. But um, I will say this. The combine is definitely it favors athletes, right, especially at the quarterback position. Sure. Uh, but here's a couple of stats I want to throw out real quick. He's six foot four, 244 pounds. He ran a four, uh, four, four, three, 40. He jumped 40.5 inches vertically. So just so we're, we're clear on that, that's basically three and a half feet off the ground between the ground and his feet at the vertical apex. That's crazy. And he jumped horizontally or broadly, broad jump for 10 feet, nine inches. That that's is ridiculous. Insane. That's insane. Absolutely One of the things ridiculous. that I, I've kind of seen in the last you know, five, six years in, uh, or maybe even a little bit more is the transition of the athlete being the quarterback. Yeah. You know, before you had maybe one, two guys that looked like the complete package, then you have the, a little one or maybe two that were like the athlete. And then you had the guys that were kind of like, they weren't built you know, they're not NFL ready on their body, but they got good accuracy. They're smaller school. Maybe the tape looks pretty decent. You know, uh, they, they have a, a, a decent arm, but we got to see a stronger arm, you know, more developmental thing. But I think what you're seeing now is a lot of men or dudes, uh, as far as like physicality more yeah. than ever, I've never seen this many like built, quarterbacks then well, you know what it is i i honestly 100 believe you know being a high school coach and i think all this stems from you know what the lowest levels need and are doing with the high school level almost everyone runs some version of spread right or or they have their qb as a runner in the you know option or double tight double wing or wing t where their quarterback is athletic and a lot of a lot of high school teams to be effective and be good they're putting their best athletes at quarterback 
right? And they're putting mm-hmm. him in space because the quarterback gets the ball 100% of the time. So who do you want to hold the ball the most? Your best athlete. And so that's what you're getting to the college level more and more. And so the college is adjusting to that. And we're finally seeing the NFL kind of adjust to that as well. So yeah. I think that's a big part of all that. I think for me, for me, like even like um, Will Lewis uh, or Levis, excuse me, Levis, yeah, uh, dude looked huge, like yeah. just, I mean, just like dang, uh, I mean they build quarterbacks different now. Now <laughs> I, I've said this for years that I, I don't care how big you are, I don't care if you can, and that was the other thing as I noticed is that there was multiple quarterbacks that threw sixty yard passes, or and, and, you know just above sixty yards. And I was like throws of every quarterback. I was just like, oh dang, oh dang. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you can throw the ball sixty plus yards. If you can't read a defense in the NFL, you're not going to last. True. And right. uh, that's the true test that all these guys are going to do. Um, did you guys see anybody else in the draft that you liked, or you... Uh, other winners? I, I like or... I like Darnell Washington, the tight end. Yeah, Dude, that guy is uh, – he is huge. And, and like, not only that, but he's so – like, as big as he is, like, he's he's just fluid, you know. Like, I, I just – I think it's just great. Like, he's just athletic, you know, because you, sometimes you see, like, the, uh, you know, big tight ends that are just kind of like, well, you know, he's just a big, you know, big guy. And, like, maybe he's just meant to, you know, block and not, not be as much of a pass catcher. But this guy looks like he can, he's going to be able to do it all. Like, honestly, yeah. like, and for me, we haven't had a tight end in God knows how long. So every time I see, that's one thing I always pay attention to uh, during the draft is just like, you know, the different, well, during the comment anyway, it's just the different tight ends to see, like, is there a guy that potentially could maybe yeah, make their way our way this year? But I, I, I don't think we'll draft him, but I mean, it would say, be awesome. Can I read you guys some meta? Like, the Packers aren't going to draft an offensive weapon in the first round. They did that last <laughs> They hit their quota for the next 10 years. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's so good. You caught me off guard with that one, Matt. Sorry about that. I'm going to read you some pure metrics of this guy. Just pure. Okay. Uh, of who? Know, of uh, the Darnell Washington. Oh, sure. Six foot seven, 265 pounds, Oof. 11 inch hands, the second largest ever by a tight end. Gracious. Wow. He's got a seven foot wingspan, largest wow. ever by a tight end. And he ran a 4.08 shuttle, the third fastest ever at the combine. Oh my gosh! Now, so he's he's six seven, and has a seven foot wingspan. Yeah, gosh. like do the, you do the math the, on the range? I don't there. know how. I got to go back and look at tape, and I can't wait until we do our deep dive into the to the um, I guess the combine um, yeah. a little later on. But he's one guy that I want to see what his his one if he can catch the ball, how great yeah. his running is for a tight end. But three, I specifically want to know what his catch radius is because yeah. having a seven foot wings, wingspan with eleven inch hands, like and dear being lord, six seven to start with. So like you're already like oh yeah, that's just that mm-hmm. is huge range, right? Not to mention I mean, whatever you jump, you know, like man that. If he can catch the ball well, he's going to be a dude. Has yeah. to be a dude. Now I mean, we'll that say was, that was what made Gronk so great. I mean, Gronk, Gronk, his hands look or his arms look like they were going to touch the ground because they were so his wingspan was so long. <laughs> and the guy yeah, yeah. just he had such a great ability with his huge hands and catch radius 
that you could just he you he can make quarterbacks look good on bad throws with just yeah. how well he could control his body and snag it out of this weird height area high area that nobody else could get to. I mean, it, right. Gronk is just you know it's freaking Gronk. Right now, I will say this: the the combine kind of drives me nuts a little bit because again, it's like we're working out to see how good of a football player you are. That doesn't always match up. Um, <clears throat> honestly, if I were an NFL coach, I mean, who is it? Dan Campbell, right? He talked yeah. about it. He's like the combine. You don't find out about players at the combine by what they do on the field. You do it by talking to them while they're going through it all. And I think that's really the one thing you probably can get out of the combine is you can just learn who a guy is and how they compete and things like that. But, you know, just because yeah. they're an athlete doesn't mean they're a football player. And I've seen that a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm, I'm a firm believer in emotional intelligence. Yeah. And when you put these guys, you know, when you're in high school, you're the best person on your team. When you're in yeah. college, there is many teams that you play, depending on the conference, where there is guys that are never going to play football again. And when they leave football, people are like, you played football? <laughs> There's such a disparity between the top and everybody else. And when you get into the NFL and you're facing where every guy was the best of the best somewhere, the best yeah. where they came from, one of the, the best, best of the best of the best. So yeah. percentage, how, how the percentage is Oh, go ahead. How do you respond getting kicked in the teeth? How do you respond with adversity, with being taking a step back, with injuries, with having to be tired and then perform? Yeah. You, so, like, just adding to that, you know, the percentages on this, about 1% of all high school football players make it to college. And about 1% of all college players make it to the NFL. Like, that's how elite of a group we're talking about. Uh -huh. And I think you're right. Yeah, just like that. That's huge emotional intelligence. That's great. Yeah. That's a great hit there. Good job, Nick. Um, anybody else? Winners? Winners of the the combine? Um, you know, I uh, I'm gonna call him a winner because <laughs> his game tape looks way better than he was at the combine, in my opinion. He had some incredible throws. Uh, C.J. Stroud. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, I like Stroud. I think Stroud might be the best guy quarterback-wise right now. In looking at the tape, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And then the combine came. <laughs> and he had and – and that's the hard thing. And, and I've heard this time and time again where uh, analysts or whatever, even players say, where they're like, man, screw the combine. Like, I'm going to skip the combine and I'm going to do my pro day because I yeah. have – you know, that, that relationship with my receivers and everything, because he did have, I mean, an incredibly strong arm, uh, the deep ball, he could change it up and put some zip on it. And then he can put some touch on it, but there was some throws that, yeah, he threw it like 55 yards down the field, but the, the receiver had to let up because he underthrew him. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. I don't know why it wasn't, but, with how good um, the different quarterbacks going on their throws, hitting in stride that I think all, most of the quarterbacks were, it got me kind of a little over confident or something and what he yeah. would produce. And so I kind of was left with a little bit of a sour taste, but, 
But yeah. coming out of it, people were like, you know, oh, you know, it didn't hurt him, you know, type of thing. Like nobody was talking about it, which I felt yeah. like I was like, you know, like I'm the one on the plane and there's like turbulence a little <laughs> bit. And then I'm looking around and everybody's like chilling on their iPad. And then I'm like freaking out internally. <laughs> like That's how it kind of felt right there. But and, like, nobody and, was like saying anything. That encapsulates the draft, man. Like, there's some things that everybody just jumps on, and there's some things people just let slip, and it's not a big deal. And it's weird because it's not the same from player to player. It's it's just weird. The combine's yeah. weird. I need to get his name, but there was a guy, a wide receiver that ran a four four three forty, and he was supposed to be one of the fastest in in coming into the draft. And so it was a letdown. It was a letdown that he only three. And uh, I was trying to uh, listen. I heard on ESPN radio and I was trying to listen again to get that segment of who they were talking about. Uh, and the, uh, the, the people on there were just like, so it's like, how, how do you have hate for a guy that runs a four, four, three? I mean, that's incredibly fast. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's interesting about the 40. That's one thing that's been all over Twitter. Uh, For me, I only use Twitter to follow football stuff, whether it's high school, college, or NFL. And that's the thing a lot of people are talking about. A lot of people are questioning the 40 times um, and how accurate they were. Because there's a lot of guys that ran much slower than they did before the combine, even though they used laser testing and all the same equipment. And so they're kind of questioning – you know, why are, why is everybody a little slow in this combine versus what they thought they were before? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So maybe he is faster. Maybe there's a conspiracy theory going on. It, it, uh, <laughs> last thing I'm going to say right here is I actually have this, this uh, saved um, program on my computer. That's from Todd McShay and doing a deep analysis over uh, 15 years of the NFL based on how where you perform on each drill of how long your career is and um i actually use that for madden when i would play madden i would look for those (laughs) metrics that hit in all these areas based on and it worked dude like these i would get like the best team um you know because some people would like they'll do like the draft and then see how the best players and then just do the redraft and then and then just put all those players on their team type of thing yeah, uh, but I would always scout looking for these metrics, and it worked every time. I don't know how realistic it is, you know, for That's star funny. power in the NFL, but it was always something I just say. Uh, there you go. That's kind of fun. Yeah. All right, let's move on to losers. Unless you guys have any more winners. Um, I, I one, one last winner, and just a quick one kind of thing. But I just wanted to highlight uh, uh, Nolan Smith, uh, the uh, edge rusher, edge rusher from Georgia. Oh yeah, um, fast. so crazy fast. I mean, he clocked. He ran a uh, initially ran like clocked in like at four four, uh, a four uh, four 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 actually. But he ended yep. up uh, yeah. officially running a four three nine. And yeah. he, and this guy, I mean, he, <laughs> he 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 ran. He got a, ran a four three nine, and um, he had a 40, uh, 40 inch plus vertical, forty one and a half inches for this guy. I mean, he. I mean, I think his measurables, at least for Nolan Smith, let me check real quick, 6'2", 238 pounds. Um, it's interesting, though, I mean, as well as he did at the Combine, I know there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of depth at edge rusher this year. 
But yeah. he's not he's not anywhere near the. At least I don't see that he's projected for the first round that someone's going to take him. But I just don't see unless you, unless you just think he's just too small. I don't know. Yeah, that is the big knock. I keep hearing that he's undersized for an edge rusher, so he's fast but he's skinny. Yeah, you know. As skinny as you can be at what you said, two forty, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah. six Usually, two. He's short and skinny. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna get thrown. I mean, because you need like hip fluidity and be able to use, um, not only your hips but be able to use leverage of your body to lean on mm-hmm. on uh, tackles. And at yeah. two hundred and forty pounds, uh, he's gonna get. Th- it's like Bruce Irving for us. Yeah. Unless you can get an edge with speed, you're going to get um, hit. Uh, well, it's not. It, well, it's not always the case. I mean, one of the top uh, prospects in the draft, I mean, Will Anderson. Uh, he's, I mean, he's six three. He's an inch taller, maybe an inch and a half tops. But he's going to be playing three four, um, a three four linebacker, which is what I think this guy will end up that's playing what, too. That's what, same thing. Yeah. yeah, he's an edge linebacker, but you know. It's one of those things. Everyone's like, hey, he's too small. He's too small. But, again, it only means whatever it means. When you well, it's like, well, it. this guy's explosive. It's like, okay, well, so is the other guy. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. so. I think but, the yeah. difference is, is on tape he played in a, in a, you know, he played on Alabama, the other linebacker. And uh, he on tape he looks to have, you know, better shed abilities. His motor's kind of okay. Uh, type of thing. I'm not a huge fan of him. I, I've been really dreading the Seahawks if they would ever pick him. Uh, they that's do funny. like those outside actually, linebackers. We need a I linebacker. Don't, actually, that's funny. I what? actually don't mind that pick. I'd rather yeah. get Carter as a D tackle. We need that more. But yeah. I'd rather take the with the, the the cover three. I'd rather take the defensive end. Um, I'm not a huge fan of – I'm a little old school. I may need to change my way of thinking in that way, but I'm a little old school when it comes to defensive tackle where you just need someone to hold the point and you can need a guy that is a little bit speedier, can be a little smaller in uh, the other regards. But defensive ends and a cover three um, are vital, and so I would rather do it on that than a linebacker. Because see, in think, our scheme, you just need a middle linebacker. You're I think a weak side the- linebacker. I'm sorry? In the modern three four, your your all three linemen have to be interior D linemen. Yeah, yeah. So your edge is your skinny. It's about holding the, it's about holding the so, point. Yeah. So you have to have I, three I think, big boys inside, and then you have to have your speed off the edge. So right. I don't know. How big is I, uh, how big is uh, TJ Watt? It's a good question. Because I mean, he he's he's compared to like the explosiveness of of him, but his size does bother me. TJ Watt is two fifty one and he's six foot four. Okay, he's a little smaller, but he's 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 bigger. Wonder how much holds during the the season. But and that's and that's it, now versus like when he first came out too, right? So yeah, yeah. You you start it's you still progress into manhood when you're still when you're entering the NFL. There's still a lot true. of growth. There, that so. is true. Yeah, that's right. the one thing is the last thing I'll say is. Even with the Seahawks, I see him more as a three-four linebacker than yeah. than any than a four-three linebacker at all. And so I'm I'm not hoping that the Seahawks take him uh, at all. Yeah, which is fine. I also like the Texas Tech DN, um, blanking on oh, his yeah. name. I like him. I think we could get him with the later pick. 
He still looks good. I like Chandler Nwosi. I'm glad we got him. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. But I like Chin and Nwosu. I thought he had a pretty solid year if you get some help on the other edge. And then we got to fill that inside. But, you know, let's move on to our losers. All right. So I've got two losers, but I'll go one at a time just in case I, I don't want to steal one of your guys's. Go ahead. Uh, my first loser is Georgia players and off the field issues. No joke. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay. You know what? I'm actually kind of upset with um, the uh, defensive tackle for Georgia. Yeah, the one I like, the one I want us to draft. Yeah, yeah Carter. And, and that's the thing that I think it, it, it speaks volumes to. And I understand people deserve a second chance and all that things. But to be so dismissed and thrown under the rug because this guy can play sports, sell jerseys, sell tickets, and win a Super Bowl, I was shocked. In the day and age where wokeness is, you know, such a thing, but it's like selective wokeness where at one point it's like this guy does something horrible and because you don't like him, it's like, oh, destroy his life. And then you turn around and you have the guy that does the exact same thing and it's like, oh, I like him. Let's give him a second chance. You know, it's just like Mm -hmm. it's so selective on things that I did not expect everybody just to be kind of like, let's throw it under the rug. It's cool. We're going to draft him in the top five, you know. It, it just – it shocked me a little bit. Yeah, what no, I think? agree. What do you think? I agree. I mean, we've kind of talked about this in the past, how, uh, how, how weird it is. Like, the NFL, things happen, and it's like, all right, we have to cut him, but somebody else is going to pick him up, and they're going to get him on a deal, and he's still going to be a player. But you still want to, like, take a stand. I don't know. It's – it's an awkward place, right? Because the NFL doesn't – at the end of the day, what it cares about is putting together a product that's right. successful. Yeah. And so, like, they're going to let some things slide if they can, if it makes them money in the long run. But, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to see what kind of a hit he takes in the draft now. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> as a fan, I'm like, maybe we can get him late and we can draft another D-tackle or D-end early. <laughs> and see, and that, and that's one of the things that I can't wait for us to dive into when we get into more into the combine. And I'll show, throw out this little snippet, you know, and those that are listening later on can be like, oh, snap, he's bringing that back up. Is the NFL is notorious where you have these character issues where these players fall in the draft. You have Dan Marino. And I mean, I, I tell anybody, go watch the documentary on Dan Marino and how the, the, the Miami Dolphins got him away from the Steelers. It is a hilarious, crazy story on that. Uh, you have the, um, the guy that actually was drafted by the Seahawks. He came out of Michigan State, defensive tackle, had all, I mean, he was a top 15 player in, in terms of talent, but he had character issues in getting in trouble. And he ended up uh, getting in a, I think it was like a four-wheeler accident or something and uh, ended up never playing a game in the NFL uh, for the Seahawks and eventually was cut. And, uh, but yeah, you have the notorious for the NFL having these things and sometimes they work out, but then a lot of times they don't. And so I'm interested to see with him and if this is something that's reflective of 
the environment that he puts around that he puts himself in the people he puts around or uh or what yeah yeah no i i think it's a sad thing um it's it just goes to show like you know what you know a, a decision that you know takes you know less than a second to make how it can just you know radically change your life and some permit you know even more so permanently like you know unfortunately with what happened uh with that accident but i just yeah you know i mean just like you know we had we've had friends um you know we've all done stupid things growing up um just as much as when we were in high school when you know matt when our friends you know when uh passed away in a car accident because they were going too fast and it's one of those things where, you know, um, and the driver, you know, I'm not going to say their names, but um, the driver of the car, you know, uh, ended up getting convicted of uh, vehicular manslaughter. So it's just, and again, like, you know, it's one of those situations where we've all been in the car with, you know, a friend, like we're all you know, just doing stupid stuff. And, you know, you don't, you know, what's said, I mean, more times than not, I think it'd be a safe bet to take, you know, that it's like, hey, no one's being like, hey, let's just stop. Like, usually it's like, oh, we're having a good time. And we just. You know, we're just being stupid, but it just, you know, it gets to a certain point when you got to recognize, you know, your, your limitations, but, but, but even then it's not even about limitations. It's just, you know, things happen and it just, and I, uh, I do think awareness is important too, right? If you're, if you've got a chance to make a ton of money in the NFL, you know, that you can't just do stupid things like that. Like you're going to get <laughs> You know, and granted, they're still they're just big kids at this point, but you have to be right. aware and understand that that you can't do what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, just look at uh, John Morant, right? He's learning still. Like, there's some things you can and can't do, no matter who you are. Right? No, you're right. Yeah. I'm All gonna right. go with a little bit of under for the. I'm gonna go with a loser. Um, okay. A little under the radar guy, but. I ended up watching more USC games than I think I've ever have in my entire life. Thanks to Matt here. And one of the teams that USC had a problem with, with Utah, uh, and their incredible defense, uh, there was one player that I looked at and I marked down, because I usually do a thing of uh, which we'll get into later in, in the combine. I, I write down different cornerbacks. Um, that's my stick that I, I look into and then I tra- look at them in the, the combine and then tape and everything. He likes and to watch their hips. I like to watch some hips, man. You know, hip fluidity, <laughs> baby. It's true. You know, hips don't lie. Uh, so one of the things that a player that I was kind of disappointed in was Clark Phillips, the third from Utah. Okay. Uh, he did not have a, um, he only had a sub five time. His 10 uh, yard split was, was not very good. And I don't know if the moment was just too big for him. I don't, or maybe he was carrying some injury or something, but I think he goes from a potential day one uh, to date early day two. I think he drops to, I think he drops. I don't know how far, but it was he was kind of I was really hoping for just because he's kind of more of a not a home guy, you know, because it's Utah and we live here in Washington State. But you know, with the pack, you know, Pac twelve and everything, Pac twelve West Coast, yeah, West Coast. I I was kind of like hoping, you know, for like more of a you know in this you know Pac twelve type of guy, and and uh, I was kind of bummed, kind of bummed. Yeah, yeah. 
how about you, David? You got a loser? Hey, man. Um, no, it's... Losers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know a loser. <laughs> no, it, it's difficult for me not to focus on the... My, my one that I was going to pick, which was already said, was the Georgia player. Um, yeah. And it's more just the situation as a whole. I just... It's just disheartening, like, you know, and because, you know, you see you, you know, these, you know, these players, I mean, they play this for their, their entire lives, you know, and it's just, and it's, and it takes a lot of work to get to that point where you're even, I mean, it's, and I, I think maybe some people might take it for granted to a certain extent as if like, oh, but, uh, you know, like, you know, that I deserve this shot, but I mean, you put in the work, man, and like to get invited to go to the combine is an amazing thing. Uh, because you're really putting yourself out there into the NFL world, into the into the football world, saying, "Hey, that, you know, I'm the best player here," you know. And I just, you know, I've, and I've always felt this way, not just about football, but about sports in general. Just, you know, and it's easy as a guy on the couch, you know, saying like, you know, well, if I had that talent, you know, but, but yeah. honestly, it's just, it's just sad because it just, it just, but you know, the fact of the matter is, I don't have that talent, you know, and. I wasn't born with that, and I'm okay with that. To- totally fine. But it's just the fact of the matter is, is that it's just, man, like, what a missed opportunity. And, and, it's, and it's not even about you at that point. It's about the people that you could, that that you could have affected for, I mean, it's it, just like we talked about with Geno Smith. I mean, that, that type of money, that's generate that's generational, uh, generation-changing money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's just, ah, it just kills me inside because it's about, you know what the missed opportunity for the kid it's a it's about the missed opportunity for their fa- for their families and just you know for them to be able to put themselves in a position where they'd be with you know they they could use their god-given talent and it's just yeah. it's just just it's i'm not even like and angry I, it's just it's just disheartening and it's just i, I think sad. for me just to kind me of real fast play off of what you just said with his situation it's i mean he didn't like you know commit a crime you know that would be like this guy needs to go to prison oh yeah no i'm not saying i'm not saying that no i'm kind of just like reflecting which i'm assuming you know really so that we're all three thinking it's you know he put himself in a situation of having fun and making the mistake that cost two people their lives and the civil lawsuits of loss of life that, that you know with with what happened of what he's going to be under and what he's going to have to go through and what he's going to have to, because I mean, it, it's not easy to, to watch friends die and be a part of that, of them dying and the reason why they're dying or have died, yeah. excuse me. And, right. you know, that's something that he's going to, have to live and grow with. And, and hopefully he can find solace in what happened uh, in the future. And, you know, but I don't want to tear him down as far as, you know, cause he is a young man. It, 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 it is a horrible huge mistake that cost two people their lives but it's not like it's um because i've heard a lot of backlash like just you know severe backlash of them and you know the one thing i want to say he's not like the jaw morant of the nba where you're dancing around flashing and uh i think it was a nine millimeter or whatever he was doing yeah you know where it's like you make millions of dollars and and because you have no um guy or guidelines or restrictions in your life that you just kind of like take that that i guess he called a thug life mentality or whatever where i just want to like flash some guns and and be kind of like you know be like that it's it uh, 
Yeah, it's not that. It's not a great. It's not a great analogy. It's just an example. But yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that. That's what you know. The Georgia player did. Like, it's a different thing. But it's you know. But at the end of the day, we make decisions. We make choices in life that dictate you know where our lives go. And it's just in this particular case, it's just a decision that he should have made differently. And I know he probably recognizes that. I mean, he doesn't need. He's not stupid. I mean, he understands the mistake that he probably made. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, how how many examples do we need? You know, like even even like the NFL. Um, I, I've you know I've, I've heard anyway. I, which I I'll have to, you guys have to fact check me on this, but I believe even the NFL, like uh, in other professional sports, I would imagine, put out put on like different uh, like learn like a. Uh, conferences of sorts or like you know like classes that young players can take that they basically that teaches them like about the importance of responsibility with their finances oh yeah you know it's because this is a huge thing because most i mean so many professional players i mean go broke i mean that's i mean and they're millionaires and and that's what you know and that's a whole nother discussion about you know about you know such you know uh generational wealth you know put in in the hands of children essentially if you think you have no barriers in in high school and in college with being the best of the best you know wait till you get to the nfl when they hand you millions upon millions of dollars and then they look the other way because you're an adult and they're not responsible for you yeah that that can be frightening as a parent yeah you're 18 19 you're a 20 year old depending on the sport getting handed yeah. millions of dollars like that yeah yeah no, but, i agree but anyway but no sorry not to didn't mean to drag that out too long but but basically yeah that that's i didn't that's the only thing i could think of i just is uh i guess my losers of the draft is that is that just yeah making bad choices that affects your future that's what it comes down to all right i've got one more um did you guys see andrew Voorhees, the offensive lineman from usc actually um, he was, he's doing a good job. He's having a good combine. And then one of the tests, he, uh, blew his ACL. Oh, oh no. that guy. Yeah. But then I was really proud of him. He came back and with the brace, with the crutches, he crutched himself all the way to the, the bench press test and proceeded to rep out the, uh, I think it was the most reps in the <laughs> this year at the combine with a torn ACL. You know, one leg in the ground, the other leg was elevated because he couldn't put it in the ground because it was um, all screwed up, obviously. But, you know, that sucks for him. He's projected to go fairly high, not first round, I don't think, but like in the top half. And uh, now he's got a torn ACL. I, about to get I, combine. I tell you what, I have benched without using my legs, you know, just in proper form. <laughs> and the amount of stress that puts on your shoulders – and obviously along with your chest is just uh crazy and so for him to do that like uh i mean my hat's off to him i hope he gets drafted high and uh just on the grit of sacrificing his body you know i mean he i think that embodies offensive line right i don't know and tough you're the offensive line coach matt i mean i agree so yeah. here's I found it. So he uh, he turned in the best bench press performance, putting up 38 reps 
The next closest was 34. And again, he did that after tearing his ACL that day. So that's a dude. I love like the post that's out there is, you know, how do you react to adversity? And I thought that was awesome. Great way to react to adversity. You would compete your butt off and show that you're still tough and that you still care and and that you're a dude. That was awesome. Well, and you know what's so awesome about that too is like it reminds me. I remember um, uh, Corey Lindsley, who um, is a set, is a center for the uh, for the almost at San Diego, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, yeah. He uh, was a he was drafted with the Green Bay Packers, went in an excellent uh, center for us uh, for the years that he was with us. Um, and I was very sad to see him go, but I mean Corey Lindsley, I like I remember that in the in the combine that year. I mean, he, he put up the most reps as well. I mean, 36 reps is what he put up that year. And I remember thinking when I, when I saw that, because I actually saw his performance, and it was insane. Like, I, I mean, I, and that was with two legs on the ground, okay? That was healthy. And, yeah. he, and he's one of the best centers in the league, you know? And, and it's just – so, I, for me, that's just so encouraging. Like, I mean, that kid, I mean, he out-repped Corey Lindsley, I mean, on one leg. <laughs> yeah. you know i mean and obviously a lot more goes into it than just what you can bench press i mean being right. a, a successful nfl center but i just think that shows a lot of heart for him and good, yeah. good for him man like i i really hope um that teams you know under recognize that and i mean and i'm sure they do uh but i i hope that you know he gets a chance to get drafted still uh i'd love for him to drop far enough that we can get him at a good deal for the seahawks later and turn him to an interior lineman that'd be awesome there yeah, we go. definitely need some of those coming up uh, the next few years. Could use a center guard for sure. Yeah. yeah. In there. All righty. Um, so I think that kind of wraps it up. Uh, so we're into quick takes. Quick takes. What do you guys got for quick takes? Who wants to go first? I can go I'll first. Go. You're going to go first, Dave? Or, okay. Well, let's think of number between one and ten. Matt, you got, the, you got the number in your head? Seven. David, go first. I got. I get to say my number first. Oh, okay. No, David, just go first. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Come on, Come on, man. Come on, man. So my quick take <laughs> is this, okay? You know, they every single year at the NFL Honor Shows they have the you know comeback player of the year, okay? How about how about comeback actor of the year, okay? I mean, and I say that um, because Brendan Fraser, man. We all grew up with Brendan Fraser, okay? You remember the movies he was in? I mean, and the movie, the movie specifically that I mean, he was in a bunch of different movies as, as we were kids, especially like George of the Jungle. That was a big one that when we were kids, like back in 97, 1997, when that came out. That's not the movie that comes to mind for me, by the way. Oh, no, no. I'm, I just, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to name the movie and it's what the name of that movie is in a second here. But I'm just okay. saying, George of the Jungle, Blast from the Past, great movies. Um, but The Mummy, you know what I'm saying? The Mummy. Yep was an iconic movie in 1999 that came out. Uh, Brendan Fraser played Rick O'Connell. Um, just, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> just so funny, uh, witty, and just the ultimate hero in a great movie uh, centered around Egypt. I remember seeing it as a kid and just fell in love with it. And, and even movies after that that he was in, um, uh, that, that he was in, like even with Crash, amazing movie Crash was for sure. I mean, Journey to the Center of Earth was a great one as well. Um, let's see. I mean, The Quiet America was a great movie that he was a part of as well, too. But Bedazzled was funny and awesome. But just some great iconic movies. But honestly, after the after the mid uh, to late 2000s, he just kind of disappeared, uh, disappeared from the from the, from the spotlight. 
And there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of um, even like he's even talked about regarding just like different you know things about Hollywood and just like, you know, what he wasn't wasn't willing to compromise and how different things took place, whatever, throughout his career. But anyway, the whole point is, is that he is being nominated for an Oscar this year. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Uh, when, uh, nominated for um, perform, uh, performance by an actor uh, uh, for, uh, uh, in a movie, uh, in a film. The Whale is what it's called. And he plays Charlie in this movie uh, called The Whale. And basically what The Whale is about um, is about a, a man that essentially a uh, recluse that's uh, five, six hundred pounds that teaches a class uh, on the Internet. Uh, and he keeps his screen black so his students are like just don't ever see who he is kind of thing. And it's about him, you know, essentially going th- through that and uh, his and I believe it's his daughter. It's, it's Sadie Sink who uh, was on Stranger Things. Um uh, Stranger Things that is, is also in the movie and, and I believe plays his daughter kind of thing in the movie. I kind of do. But anyway, the whole point is, I mean, he absolutely delivered in an amazing role in that movie. And just like, I mean, heartbreaking and just like, oh my gosh, he just reached out and like definitely would recommend the movie for sure. Uh, that being said, uh, but just t- a tip of the cap to Brendan Fraser for, I mean, getting back to the top of the mountain and just honestly, uh, just you know, having a chance to win the Oscar, which honestly, uh, you know, my I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't win it to be at this point. Um, he's already won the Golden Globe uh, uh, in the drama category for as as a leading actor in a, in, a, in, a, in his in his portrayal in the Whale, and uh, he won the SAG Award, which the SAG Awards is basically the Screen Actors Guild, um, which is them essentially they from all the different actors voting for who they think you know uh, should be the best actor in that category kind of thing. So, but no, just, I guess that's my quick take. It's just that Brendan Fraser, uh, a guy that uh, has, you know, gone through the fire and has got in and, and made it through. And the, here he is, you know, going to be, uh, I think this Sunday, actually. Uh, yeah. This Sunday will be the Oscars. And uh, my prediction is he's going to win it. And I can't wait to hear his speech just to see, you know, to, to see all that hard work pay off to, to where he's at now. So. Thanks. Good one. I kind of want to watch The Mummy again right now. Right? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend A Quiet American. Uh, I think it's one of his underrated movies of all time. I have it as one of the top five for him as far as performance goes. Uh, It's got Michael Caine in it as well. Michael Caine. But yeah, so mad respect to him. Nice. I've got some movies to watch now. Yeah. There you go. All right, Nick, you want to go next? And I will say School Ties growing up, baby. Brandon Frazier and School Ties. Uh, amazing. Anybody out there, you need to watch that movie too. Yeah, so School Coming ties. of age, uh, corruption, uh, racism, bigotry, uh, all there. It's, it's crazy. It's, uh, a, it's, a, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to go right into here. We're going to move away from the heartstring a bit. I'm going to go with more controversy and drama with my quick take. Uh, I ended up watching, for those that don't know, that maybe you've been living under a rock, which I'm assuming most people aren't. The good old Will Smith slapathon of uh, Chris Rock at the Oscars. Last year. 
It's been a while, yeah. It's been a while. It's been an entire year, and Chris Rock has been silent. And myself, knowing him as a comedian, growing up, seeing him, he's not one of my all-time favorite comedians, but I have been intrigued to see what his response has was going to be because he knows the Smiths and that whole industry, they all know each other. Now, it was reported that Chris Rock was working on material reflecting the slap out there in uh, local theaters and everything else, kind of working out some material that he was eventually going to do a whole segment on Netflix, which turned out to be true. Got a deal with Netflix and released his special. And as far as about, I would say, 90% of it, it's not his best work. It's pretty good. There's some laughable moments in there. But the last about eight minutes, he ends up bringing up the slap. And I'm telling you, this eight-minute segment is going to be notorious for his career. They're going to dub this the slap back. And he goes <laughs> deep into this and gives <laughs> the freedom and just he lets loose on it. And, and, uh, and viewer discretion advised for the viewer. Yeah, Chris Rock's he's not a uh, he's not family friendly. Not one of family kid friendly. Out. Yeah, definitely not a family friendly <laughs> comedian in the way that uh, his delivery and 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 everything. But uh, was just I mean one I couldn't stop laughing too it was so just jaw dropping on just the way he rolled out talking about it it was like having a, a buddy in a room having a conversation and that buddy just going on a rant about it it was uh man it was it was good i i i know i'm not a huge fan of like the controversy drama type of thing but i gotta admit like it sucked me in in this uh it's one of his better. I'm not a huge, huge fan of Chris Rock, but this is one of the best segments I've ever seen him do. So, I guess check it out if you want your discretion advice. <laughs> uh, I got more to watch now. I have not watched it yet, so I'll have to at least watch the eight minutes. Yeah, Man, that's cool. All right, so uh, mine's about sports, but I did promise myself <laughs> I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't talk about uh, football. So instead, I'm going to talk about football. <laughs> uh, today, the second legs of the UEFA Champions League have picked up. Um, we're in the round of 16. So this is uh, the way it works is it's a knockout bracket. Six, the best 16 teams in Europe. Um, and then they played two games, one home, one away. And then after the two games, the team with the better goals, right, the better score over two games wins and moves on. Uh, Chelsea played Borussia Dortmund today. They went into that game down one goal, and they ended up scoring two, uh, winning 2-0 today to win the the leg, the second leg in the aggregate 2-1 overall. Um, America's own Captain America, Christian Pulisic, got back on the field for Chelsea, uh, which is huge. We love, right. we love seeing him play football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. Um, the other game, not so good. The other game was Benfica. Uh, from Portugal playing Club Bruges from, um, I believe, the Netherlands. Someone's going to roast me. I don't know for sure. <laughs> but uh, Benfica won 7-1 on aggregate between the two games. So they blew them out of the water. Uh, tomorrow, we got two more games. Bayern Munich versus 
PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. That's going to be a huge game. Bayern's up one goal to zero. Uh, and then you also have AC Milan playing Tottenham Hotspur. And they're up, uh, Milan's up one, one goal to zero after the first half of the first game. Um, and so things start to get real pretty fast in the Champions League. If you're not a huge soccer watcher, I'd say Champions League is a good place to dip your toe in and watch. Uh, you're talking about the highest level teams with the best players playing knockout football. Um, it's good stuff. So if you want to watch some high-level soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, uh, get to the Champions League. Champions League time is here. There I can go. check that out myself. Oh, by yeah. the way, Matt, so it was Belgium. That's where they're from. But Okay, the- noise. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Right? It happens. Um, yeah. All right. Any last thoughts before we sign off? Um, well, you know, the draft is right around the corner, the NFL draft. Uh, baseball season is uh, right around the corner as well. And, hey, a little bit of a sneak peek for next week. March Madness, baby, coming up soon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We we to, we're going to have to record on Tuesday, guys, so we can uh, get our stuff out before it really gets going. Yeah. Yeah, so next week, one of the most. Oh, go ahead. One of the proudest moments I hope to happen this year is Duke making it again. First year for Shire, uh, making it to his first tournament uh, in his coaching career. But then at the same time, UNC, who's been a bubble team of even making it, just don't make it, baby. Get home. Go to the NIT for a while, man. It's all right. Man, that'd be awesome. Um, but hey, on that note, though, like for John Shire, I hope he just win. Like, I know that you guys don't necessarily have the shot to win it all this year, but I'd like him to win his first. That'd be awesome if he could win because you guys are projected what as a six seed. Is that right? Yeah. So you'd be, playing on a, so you'd be playing an 11 seed. It's going to be interesting because we've had a lot of injuries throughout the season, particularly with our uh, lead guard um, who's had a. Uh, I want to say like a not a like a stress fracture in his foot, and uh, he's been kind of up and down. But he shows moments like before he got hurt, and then he just came back and he had a good, really good game. And so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see because in the notorious for the tournament is terrific guard play. If you can have terrific guard play, you can go all the way. Uh, the tournament is not notorious for having power forwards and center dominant teams go all the way and do things. Uh, it's, it is guard play and free throws that kind of, and obviously, you know, ex- explosive offensively and, and defensively, but that usually is centered around the guard play. So it'll, I'm hoping that we can have a, a good run in his first, first time. I hope we make it. Uh, and then you guys do, make it. I'd be shocked if you didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we're just not good it. against top ranked teams. We're not good at all. But all right, but I'm hoping. Can't wait for the podcast on it. Yeah, I'm excited too. I mean, this is a fun time of the year. I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but I always get in at this time of the year. It's fun. Yeah, knockout tournament play is always exciting, and uh, got to root for the underdogs too, right? It's always yeah. fun. Yeah, that's right. All righty. Well, we'll share our first round picks next week and we'll talk about thoughts for the tournament. 
Um, I want to end a little differently on my end. Uh, I've got a nice little quote that popped out of her today talking about history in my history class. And it's a great one. The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Socrates. <laughs> yep. All right. Peace out, guys. Peace out. Amen. Bye. Bye. Y'all ready for this?